Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The shuttering of schools across the country hasn't just left parents scrambling. It's also become a problem for many dairy farms. Milk prices had already dropped roughly 40 percent in the past six years. And now that the entire food industry has been upended, dairies have lost several key sources of revenue. Some have had to dump their milk. But a small dairy farm in Greenville, Illinois, is still pumping and delivering fresh milk daily. Rolling Lawn's farm is even rolling out some new products. And our guest today is here to explain how they're doing it and what they're doing. Michael Turley is the owner and operator of Rolling Lawn's farm. Michael, welcome back to the show. Hi, Sarah. It's good to be with you. Now, you'd previously said that your primary customers were restaurants and coffee shops and bakeries, and now so many of those are closed. So what are you doing with all the milk that your cows produce? Well, we've uh, had three adjustments to uh, our our distribution. Number one, the grocery business, as most would know, uh, has gone up quite a bit. So mm-hmm. we're so thankful for places like Eckert's over in Belleville and local harvest and Straub's and uh, Freddy's Market and Webster Groves, places like that, who uh, have seen a a great increase in demand. And so that's one. Two, we have a retail shop adjacent to the processing facility. So it's kind of laid out like a craft brewery where we make the milk and people can come and view. And then uh, we have a little retail store, and it's been really busy because they know there are no limits. Yeah, no limits, and it's as fresh as it can be. So it's been fun to have people come in in a safe environment not heavy traffic. It's not crowded. So people feel comfortable coming in and grabbing their dairy needs. And then the, thirdly, uh, we, we still have a relationship with Dairy Farmers of America. They have a processing plant in O'Fallon, Illinois, and any overage that we have that we are not using through our own brand is going to this plant in O'Fallon, and that's helped a great deal. That's so. great. So you've been able to place this milk. It sounds like none of it is going to waste at this point. No, uh, we've been very blessed that uh, we've found a home for all of it. And then uh, certainly some, the food pantries in our local area, uh, are, are, we're able to support them. And that's, uh, that's a weekly process, but something that's uh, much needed and uh, uh, really gratifying for us to be able to, to help support. So with these um, groceries where they're seeing increased demand and you're able to help them meet that, was that a logistical challenge to be able to start working with new stores or getting more milk to stores when everything is so topsy-turvy right now? Um, not really. Uh, just we've got we do our own distribution. We've got our own trucks. Mm-hmm. It just there were weeks where we were delivering to the grocery stores th- three times in a week. And uh, that's kind of settled out now, as most of us have realized and there's been more of a steadying effect to a lot of the the grocery business. So uh, we didn't have much of an adjustment at all. It just was a lot of volume, and uh, we're thankful for that. Well, that's great to hear. Um, And we do want to note, I was told that earlier this month, your farm actually made its largest batch of chocolate milk ever. What do you think is driving the demand for that? Uh, We had a record month in March, of all things. Uh, The flavors, the chocolate milk led that. and we're we're going to have uh, what looks like uh, a record month in April, uh, believe it or not. And the uh, the flavors are fun. They're still a healthy choice, and kids kids really enjoy the you know the flavored milks, especially the chocolate. So we have just got this fun phenomenon going on of of once people try our chocolate milk, it's it's really good. And a friend of mine in California shared the recipe, and that's what we're using. And uh, they, we've had an amazing response. And so uh, a lot of the places in St. Louis and the surrounding area are using it. 
the coffee shops are using it for some some mocha drinks, and then uh, we're selling a lot of it right out of our shop here in Greenville. So I hate to sound ignorant. I'm not a chocolate milk aficionado, but what makes one chocolate milk different than the rest? You mentioned a recipe. Is, is there a secret ingredient here? There, there are there are a couple secrets actually, and I uh, can't share those. But they're all healthy and very safe. It's how you blend it, and uh, it's it's just two percent milk. So we have a low fat chocolate milk, and uh, we uh, we use real sugar. A lot of the chocolate milks today, not all, some still use a pure cane sugar as mm-hmm. a sweetener, but many of them use a high fructose corn syrup, and uh, it's just a it's a cheaper alternative and it mixes easier. But uh, we're we're going to do it the hard way for quality, and uh, it's turned out great. And it just really comes back, Sarah, to how we process. We slow everything down. And we pasteurize at low temps and uh, and take our time in the blending process and the bottling process. And you need about 12 hours for it to settle out hmm. after you make it. And uh, then that next morning, it's pretty tasty. So no fancy additives or anything here. You're, you're doing it old school. And that process sounds really important to getting that taste that people are responding to. Yeah, you're rich and creamy is what uh, folks, most folks seem to be going for, and we can do that, and it's all natural, uh, and it's all on the on the bottle, so nothing to hide, and that's, it's just uh, it's just how you do it. Hmm. So, in terms of flavored milk, I understand chocolate is not all you've been working on. When we mentioned you're releasing some new products soon, um, these are some additional flavors. Tell me what you're doing here. Well, during this downturn, we've got a little bit of time on our hands still and uh, we're always looking to develop things and so uh, the chocolate's been really popular our strawberry milk's uh, wonderful and uh, we have uh, started testing and gotten sample batches of an orange cream that would be a more like a dreamsicle and uh, my friends in california again another dairy farm family that is bottling milk uh, their number two seller to chocolate is orange cream in the central valley of california really so yeah so uh, that's in the works uh, we're ready to commercialize, but waiting on the state inspectors. And that all comes through the Illinois Department of Public Health, uh, the shelter-in-place, uh, uh, r- you know, laws for Illinois have us through May 30th. So none of the state inspectors can travel and help us advance any of the product development until they're able to, to uh, come and do a site visit mm-hmm. and then test the products. So we're in kind of a holding pattern, but we certainly can do the, t- you know, the research and the product trials that we're doing. And the orange cream is wonderful, and we just made our second batch of cappuccino milk. That is uh, pretty pretty good. Ooh. So. I have to say, orange cream, I'm a little skeptical. I, I understand yeah. that this is selling in California, and they, they have good yeah. palettes out there. But cappuccino, yeah. that sounds like that's going to be an easy sell. Will that have a, a caffeinated component, or is it more just the flavor? Yeah, yeah it, it'll contain coffee, Yeah, real coffee. And uh, I think... What it's allowed us to do is to get into that flavor category and then uh, dial in all of the ingredients and components. Our goal will be to work with one of our awesome coffee partners that's roasting here in St. Louis area mm-hmm. and, uh, and use their products in our cappuccino and our mocha-flavored drinks that we'll, we'll launch later this summer. Well, that's exciting. But on the other hand, it has to be a little bit frustrating that here, um, you know, with the orange cream, you have this product all ready to go, and you're just kind of waiting for the government sign-off. Do you find yourself getting frustrated, like just waiting for that day to come? Yeah, um, not really. It is what it is, and all of us are dealing with uh, a level of frustration, and this is minor compared mm-hmm. to what some folks are dealing with, and especially all of our great friends in the restaurant 
ice cream coffee shop and pastry shop businesses, uh, that's who we're pulling for the most. So for us to have a delay on a product approval or to get the ice cream going, which is our really our big thing that we're going to be rolling out here in Greenville is ice cream. But mm. it's uh, it's easy to keep this in perspective when so many of our friends and the people that have really supported us, these amazing restaurants and coffee, pastry and ice cream places that walk the walk on the farm to table and the local movement every day. Uh, they're the ones we're worried about and we'll be there for them when they're back. And you also mentioned ice cream there. Uh, What are the plans for that? Are you going to do your own brand of ice cream? We will, uh, probably just for a shop, uh, again, adjacent to the processing facility. And uh, uh, it's it's, uh, relatively straightforward to do. But the ingredients, again, and the the ability to make your own ice cream base mix is something we'll be doing on the other side of the wall. So it'll be super fresh, Mm. be high-end, super premium ice cream. So that was due to launch in June. We'll have to push that back, and we'll we'll wait to put that date out there when the rest of the world can tell us when uh, everything's going to come back to some sense of normalcy. And I know we're all waiting on that. So some big plans afoot. This gives us something else to look forward to. In the meantime, um, Rolling Lawn Farm has some great social media accounts, and you like to sort of give glimpses of your life as a dairy farmer on that. Recently, you shared that all dairy men have a favorite cow and that yours is named Faith. What makes her the favorite? Um, Just the relationship that you've had with the animal from the time they were born themselves. Faith was born seven, she's seven and a half years old. And uh, she's just always been around, and she's got one of those personalities. She's she's a people person, hmm. and uh, she's an extrovert. And so you kind of find those animals. They're very much like people in their personalities, uh, just as many introverts and, and anxious and nervous types as there are uh, outgoing and fun I did fun not animals, realize but, that about cows. So yeah. Faith is, oh, she's yeah. a friendly, happy one. Oh, she's a, a gentle giant. She's an absolute sweetheart. The big news on Faith, Sarah, is that she just had a baby, on on Monday morning. Oh my! And uh, and uh, yeah, that it was. It's a very important animal on the farm, and uh, so I kind of just threw it out there to have a naming a naming party uh, for the calf, and uh, uh, Hope is uh, far and away leading that. So I'm thinking we're going to be naming the calf, and we'll let everybody know that in a day or so. But uh, uh, it's she's had a she's had a big week. And yeah, every every dairy farmer's got those favorite those favorite pets around the farm, just like you would, you know, in your own home with your companion animals. So your favorite your favorite cow, Faith, um, gave birth in the middle of this pandemic on Monday, and and maybe this calf is going to be named Hope. Does that name also have some significance for you that this is all happening right now? It it does because uh, the calf was. Uh, born, we would recognize it as a breech birth, but mm-hmm. you, you can do cesareans in, in bovine, but the calf was upside down and backwards in the birth canal. So, you know, that is a that is very dangerous and life-threatening to the calf. But uh, Nathan Miller, our herd manager, is uh, really skilled and really patient. And it's not every, every dairyman has these challenges with their calvings, but uh, we were we were able to deliver the calf. She's alive and well, so she's persevered a lot already. Uh, and uh, we we just find that uh, uh, they that new life no matter no matter when or how tough things are just gives us a sense of optimism and and the fact that we'll you know we're going to give it a go another day and another week and it's a hundred years ago today that we uh, celebrate our registered purebred Holstein uh, heritage a hundred years ago today my great grandfather was notified that he had a 
uh, he had been accepted to the to the association. So, oh my, he's been a purebred reader. It's like literally uh, April 30, 1920. So we have uh, a lot to be thankful for, and so we're ready for the next hundred years. Wow, I mean that is just such a milestone, and you know I know this has been in your family the whole time, and as you're sort of trying to guide this enterprise through an unprecedented time here in our nation's economy, how much is that on your mind? Thinking about that family heritage and and just the long run that this farm has already had. It, it's on my. It's constantly, Sarah, and it's not going to end on my watch. Uh, this the stage we're at. If people, could, if if your listeners have been. Uh, fans of Forrest Gump, or if we can recall that movie, and if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. Mm-hmm. But we're we're at the part of the movie where Forrest didn't know any better, and he and Lieutenant Dan were out on the, their shrimping boat, their broken-down boat that Forrest bought, and during the hurricane in the Gulf, and all of the other big shrimping boats were moored safely in the marina, and they rode out the storm on the water. And that's what mm-hmm. it feels like to be a dairy farmer right now. Um, you're just riding it out, and you, you know, you're, you know, you're going to come out the other side. You have no idea what that's going to hold. So uh, it's just you got to have a sense of optimism all the time to keep at it because, as you mentioned in your opening remarks, it's been a rough five, six years for, for dairy farm families. Yeah, these have been some hard times, but but that image of yourself as as being that boat that's out there in the middle of the storm and and thinking about then what happened to Forrest Gump, um, it sounds like you've got this this positive mindset where you're seeing yourself through to that shore. Yeah, we, we've got a plan, and... Uh, uh, it's just what we're supposed to do, and uh, we're we're going to make it. But uh, I just uh, I just we just pray every day that uh, this is what what we're meant to do, and uh, we're ready for the next hundred years. We don't know what that's going to look like, but uh, it's not going to end on my watch if I've got anything to say about it. Well, Michael Turley, um, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. It's always great to be with you, Sarah. And Michael, again, is the owner and operator of Rolling Hills Farm that's been in his family now for 100 years. Um, And if you want to visit in Greenville, Illinois, they've got that shop. Is that shop open um, pretty much every day of the week at this point? We 8 to 5 Monday through Friday, 8 to 12 on Saturdays. And we've had a lot of guests come out from the St. Louis area just, you know, just to do some some shopping, some essential shopping, but uh, we'd love to see anybody out here and uh, come out and see us. All right. Well, that's Rolling Hills Farm, and uh, they're practicing safe distancing there, and, and you can get some dairy. So, Michael, thanks again. Thanks, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.